From the town of Detroit where my job is secure, yeah. Securing the fact now that it's gone for good, yeah. So I scrimp and I'm scraping this pension I saved. So it should be gone by the end of the day. Get yeah, the power's out. It's the And we're back, man. Shamrock Show episode 15. I'm more than honored to be sitting here with my man Ed Brady. Made the trek down from distant Rhode Island. You know what, man? It's a, it's an honor to be here, uh, old friend. You go back a ways. We had a lot of fun, and uh, you know, I was honored when you asked me, so I'm glad I got the uh, invite. Nah, man. Um, when I first thought of doing this, right? So I started last March, and I had a couple people. Like you were in the list of people who I'm like, all right, well, who could I do? And like my my first five people who came in my head, just because I, I knew that having you on would be fun, and that you got a lot of cool stuff to do. I got a shout out real quick. Proper Twelve Whiskey. I'm, we're cheering a little bit here. With yeah, little, man. Uh, Big win the other night, huh? Yeah, He's yeah. back. So, so the last show we did was uh, right before Connor's last fight. Came out and stomped him in 40 seconds, which is dope. It's got this new hoodie from Proper 12 also. Shout out for that. Um, and shout out to the law offices of Scott D. Camisar and Stephen Reck, man. Big friends of the show. If you've ever uh, get in a car accident or anything, hit them up, man. So Can't do it without the sponsors, right? Can't do it without the sponsors, Absolutely. man. And, and they're, they're great people, so... Without further ado, Ed Brady, the arguably the first, but top two most famous Bradys in New England. Oh man, yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I can. You know what was cool about Tom Brady though was, uh, I got the Brady Bunch my whole life, so I got the the rat end of that joke. Oh, you uh, part of the Brady Bunch? Right. Oh, so then yeah, you got so the. So Tom Brady came around. You, know, they're, they're like, you related to Tom? Oh yeah, that's cousin Tom. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, isn't his middle name Edward too? It is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, it's cousin Tom. Still haven't sure. met him. That's definitely on the bucket list. Maybe you can have him on the show and introduce us. I probably. actually met him at Foxwoods once, and he was a dick. Oh really? He was, dude. He was like four o'clock in the morning, right? And me and my buddy Jimmy he used to come up to, to to Providence with me to see you, and uh, we were playing blackjack, and he was playing blackjack at like a table that I'm not playing blackjack at, but we kind of stalked him out. And then when he was done, was he, he? To be fair, he might have just lost his ass, you know. But it was like four in the morning, so when he left his table, we left our table and casually walked his direction, and like, oh shit. Tom Brady, what's up, man? How you doing? And I was like, can we take a picture? And he's like, no. And he just kept walking. Yeah, how old was he? This was, oh, this was a while ago, man. This was might have been twelve like, years ago, like pre superstardom, or you think he's just popping off? Or? No, he was. I mean, he was. He was definitely a star at that time. But I, I would say it was like maybe two thousand and eight, two thousand. Okay, yeah, he's definitely. Yeah. But uh, like I said, he could have just lost his ass. But just yeah. it wasn't like there was like a million people around. How it was just the two of us like, in the middle of the night, like yo, what's up? And he's like, no, I just kept going. So. Yeah, okay. That's my Tom Brady story. Hopefully you don't have any Ed Brady stories like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, my all my Ed Brady stories that I can remember are uh, are all solid, man. I mean, Good. you did you did my old show on MySpace. My, do you remember when I yeah, used to do the Shamrock absolutely. show? But it was a completely different thing. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, man. It's great to watch the the progression. Uh, you know, I've, I've I've seen the episodes jump from fifteen hundred views, twenty five hundred views. You know, five thousand views. Pretty cool. Like. You know, watching you do your thing, so yeah, man, it, it's cool, and it, man, the feedback and the love is is absolutely incredible. But a lot of that is just getting people who are interesting on, and you know, I've been lucky to have some guests who have just some awesome, awesome stories. So, you know, some of them happy, some of them sad, but it's just, I think that there's just a lot of just regular people out there who have stories that are worth hearing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's it's not necessarily have to be. Tom Brady. It can be Ed Brady. Yeah, that's what's <laughs> up. Well, I, I'm humbled. I appreciate it. Thank nah. you for the invite. How was your weekend, buddy? It was good, man. I, I, I ran into you on Friday I night. I know, which yeah. is great, Tw twice in three days or whatever, but up at uh, CES MMA. Great fights. Yep, they always put on a great production, CES yeah, MMA. Yeah, I've been going to CES Boxing since forever, and I love that they do MMA now. And, Absolutely. Uh, your man, Greg Rebello with, yeah. with the big win, man. Titus can be, man, one of my best friends. Uh, he retired for like the 70th time. Um, 
you know, uh, he's definitely Brett Favre in it. Uh, yeah. This might be the last, but, I mean, it's tough to see him go out when he just dominated like that. In right, the, right. In he looked, crazy he, fashion, and he looked yeah. good. I was curious, you know, because he said, I'm not going to use the R word, but he said that it would be the last time to see yes. So I didn't – you think he's just kicking around in case he gets the call from uh, UFC yeah. or something? Or, I mean, I, or, it's tough. I don't mean, even know if that's something you can even talk about. Yeah. I know that you no, of course. have some inner workings. but Yeah, I mean, he's my guy. I mean, and, and for him to be there so close three times he's been at, yeah. you know, on the Dana White Contender and, Series. He just had shit luck. Dude. I, always, I always see him on Twitter joking about he just has the worst luck in Vegas, yeah. man, you know. It's, Absolutely. And, you know, it's tough, man, because he's right there. He's, he's certainly – Well, I would say he's the best fighter ever to come out of New England. Dude, if he's, he's up there. if he's not, he's in the top. You know, like Joe obviously Lozon. Ralph Font is, is is a good. He's fighter. killing the game right now for sure. But you know, dude, Greg is a legend, and he's like a he's such a good coach. He's he's got yeah. the mind too. Well, that's it, man. The kid has has a great heart, and uh, you know, he's a great coach, and he's a great individual, and and he gives back to the community, and and so many people just. Even young up and coming fighters speak so highly of him. Yeah. So it's, it's honestly just an honor to be his friend. So I'm glad I could be on the adventure right. with him. Well, like my buddy, Brandon. I met him in Vegas, believe it or not. Oh, yeah, no like shit. Two guys from Rhode Island, and uh, it was funny. We were at Vegas in a nightclub at the nightclub and beverage expo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was just like, my uh, just kind of started hitting it up, you know, chatting with him and stuff. Yeah. Didn't even know he was a fighter. And like, I put a picture up or something, and my buddy from back home, Justin, was like, yeah, Yo, no, you know, that's Greg Rubello. Like, yeah. you just fought in the UFC. I'm like, Nah, but like he's mad cool, and, <laughs> yeah. and like we've been tight ever since. So. Oh, that's that's funny, man. I, I figured that you met, I figured you were like sponsored him or something, and that's how you guys met. That's that's even crazy. Yeah, man. it's crazy, man. It's just it's just you know it's crazy how life works out, and you just meet someone like at that level, and and uh, you know, ten years later we're like best buds. So that's cool, man. Yeah, I met Greg through so. My boy Brennan Ward fights for Bellator. He did uh, the show a couple of episodes Beast. ago, and Greg is his head coach. Yeah, and he's yeah. dealt with Brennan for a long time, so that that's how I, I met him going up to uh, that that city of Dong, my city of Dong, um, Triforce in Rhode Island. I met yeah, him yeah. Go, going up there, and then at, then at fights and stuff, of course, man. But uh, you're kind of a renaissance man. You've kind of so you. I know Tyson manages Greg, but you're like. My impression from the outside is like you're kind of the uh, um, the the E to Ari Gold and the <laughs> yeah man. I mean uh, Tyson does a great job. Uh, yeah. He's great with all his fighters and and uh, you know I just like helping my friends. You know obviously we have I've been fortunate enough over the years to expand my network and get to know a lot of people and I have a lot of great people um, like yourself and and throughout throughout the world yeah. actually that and uh, anyone that I can help link up two good people that's kind of right. did you meet John Gotti that night. I did, man. That's, yeah, that's interesting, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like Dana White tweeted him right before the fight, or tweeted. Yeah, but him no, but I mean his father, John. I'm oh, sorry, John oh, Gotti yeah, Jr. Yeah, I did. I got introduced to him through uh, one of my my uncle John. His son is actually a Hollywood producer, John Ryan. Okay. And they 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 were I like ran, I couldn't believe I saw him there, and I was like he was sitting right next to Gotti. I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Is so the the guy I introduced you to, Brian, the ball guy that he, I said he's got those restaurants in in Springfield. He uh, he's done a long time in jail he was john and him were cellmates um at some federal organized crime pretend you know and he did he did the show because he's doing a he's like going on a tv show now um but then yeah he's like yeah you want to meet john i'm like yeah like what do you say it's not yeah, like of course like loved your murders bro yeah right <laughs> you know, no, what you, what iconic yeah though, absolutely iconic yeah absolutely. absolutely iconic uh but yeah it was great to run into you that night man for sure um totally, i man. love i love going up to rhode island um, but we first met, the first time I met you, I'm not sure if you remember, was at Shrine. Tony introduced us yeah, at, yeah. at Shrine one night. Um, we had started the Industry Tuesdays, too. That was like... Right, and I definitely want to definitely hit that. Yeah, I, I know that you're, but we'll, you're the, <laughs> the brainchild there in the brain trust. But um, yeah, Tony, because at the time I was managing a club in Connecticut, a strip club for a guy who, were the kind of guy from Rhode Island owns strip clubs in Connecticut, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And, yep. and he was like, yo, do you know this one, blah, blah, blah. But we got chatting that night, but you were college roommates with one of my like good, good friends, Nicoletto at Bryant, right? Yeah, yeah. Nick's the man, man. I'm, uh, man, you know. Nick is, uh, did you see Uncut Gems, the movie Uncut Gems? Uh, I can't say it. that reminds me of Nick, or does it? <laughs> you know. Unless I walked out, I was like, "Well, this is what, this is what it's like to be Nick for a day." Yeah, I think I was texting him right when I left the movie. I was like, "Yo, dude, you, I know you. This is your life, right?" Yeah. Well, no, but he's, uh, you know, I, I'm. It's great to see 
you know, obviously we were young kids and we were, we were having a lot of fun in the casino and stuff together yeah. back then. But uh, Nick is, I'm really proud of him. He's working with a great company now and, and doing a lot in the real estate game. So Yeah, no, um, Nick, Nick's a hustler, man. He's going to make, you know, no matter what he does, he's going to make it. No doubt about it. But I like to break his balls. Yeah, like, how, how could you not? You could, that's, could that's, you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, man. Getting just yeah, it's, it's whatever. But like, kind of want to work, work backwards. You're um, a councilman. Is your title now? Yeah, I'm a city councilman in the okay. city of Cranston. And you own six restaurants. Uh, I think I have five. Five. Yeah. Okay. I was trying. I was trying to count. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But when I met you, you were a club promoter, right? And yeah, like. I know a million people who try to do what you did, but you're the only one who I ever saw do it to the level that you did on such a successful level. And even before I get into that, man, you used to take such good care of us up, like like ridiculous, ridiculous care of us, man. And, and it was always so dope, man. I, I always, always appreciate it. Yeah, that, man, man, I appreciate you. It's, it's you know, it's, it's crazy, man. You take care of good people and you meet good people, and, and I think it always comes back in life. And, and uh, that's certainly part of, I think, the reason that, um, you know, when I was a promoter, a lot of people in that the, the nightclub industry, like you were talking about with strip clubs, it's it's known for like drugs and, and alcohol, and right. you know to take that to a level of business where we had top notch videos back in 2008, 2007 when Facebook was uh, you know just coming out, and right. you know do the photography at the, at the clubs, and then bringing in talent from LA. Right. Uh, it, it totally was like we kind of hit around by storm for a little bit, and we we're bringing in acts like Aoki and DJ AM before he passed, rest in peace. Yeah, and uh, you know. Obviously, uh, you know, just just funneling talent after talent, where you know. No, for sure. I mean, like it was like one of my one of my favorite nights there. You had a DJ called Rockticon. I had a, dr a live drum kit with it. Yeah, yeah. And I've tried to reproduce that. Like I've tried to introduce DJs to to drummers and like yo, you guys should link up and do this. It would be so dope. But nobody wants to do it. But it was, it was such a cool performance. I remember the, the was that Holly Madison that night. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was fun too. Yeah, Playboy but, uh, party, yeah. you did. You brought uh, a lot of top notch stuff. But LMFAO, did you make yeah, it? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I didn't even know. Fun. They were just known for the – they did the Jersey Shore theme at that point. That's, like, basically all that you were, yeah, anybody yeah. knew them for. That's all who I knew who they were for, and that's probably sure. why it worked so well in Rhode Island, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, now when I say you're a club promoter, why don't you kind of uh, explain kind of how – what it was you were doing at that time? Yeah, of course. Um, I think it would be impossible not to, like, kind of backtrack a little bit. I, I went to Bryant with Nick, yep. and I graduated college uh, – well, it was university then – and um, I moved out to L.A., and at the time, believe it or not, I was playing a little bit of uh, professional poker that was big on the Bryant University scene. Oh, see, I didn't know that, yeah. So, uh, I, I, I have a sorted poker history as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I was, that kind of I, – I couldn't believe it when I told my parents that, you know, I had just won a tournament on an online site called Bodog, and I won, like, 20-something thousand. And, yeah. I, and I, after I just got my degree, I'm like, I'm moving out to Hollywood to be an actor and a, and a poker player. And my parents are like, well, you know you're not. And <laughs> But fortunately enough, they've always trusted me and they've loved me and, and uh, they, they, they knew I would follow my heart. So, you know, I moved out there for about a year and I started going to these clubs and, and I, I linked up with uh, my nephew, you know, John Ryan, uh, my cousin, who was a Hollywood producer. He's done... Uh, Great Irish name, by the way. He's doing Bill and Ted 3. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, so that's his, his recent project and he's worked with, uh, you know, a lot of celebrities over the years who, fortunately enough... Fast forward the story. When I moved back from LA after about two years of living out there, I had made contacts with these, a lot of these guys. So um, I, I literally just had no interest in doing that whatsoever. And kind of on a bet, I, I did a Wednesday night at a club called the Halo Room with some buddies. Okay. And literally, it was in Cranston, and, and it just kind of like popped off where we were doing like 150 people on a Wednesday, like list only, VIP service. And, and back then, bottle service was legal in Rhode Island. I know it's yeah. still legal here. Um, but that kind of just the people in Providence noticed and you know I had a camera and I was taking pictures at these nightclubs for free and people were uploading them and I started a website right. called 401 and, and obviously um, the rest is kind of just history man it was just hard work it, it was funny though to watch my friends from college be like what is this kid doing like he just yeah. left you know they're, they're all working at fortune 500 right, jobs right. and yeah, whatnot yeah, yeah. And companies and and uh, here am I I'm, I'm throwing parties with uh, you know Bam Margera and Nick Cannon and and uh, you know they they thought it was a lot of fun, but that's that to an extent they were like, okay, kind of grow up, Ed. Right. But um, you know, I knew what I was. I doing. I feel like that's how people look at me now too. So it's whatever. You know what, man? As long as you're happy and you have a vision and you you know what you believe in, and it's it's a process. You know, yeah. a lot of the generation now today, in my opinion, they they want it right now. You know, yeah. and it's like it took me eight years of club promoting for an investor finally to come up to me and say, hey, if you're ever interested in your own in your own place, 
you know, let me know, you know. Oh, that's kind of dope. So I was curious on how that all went. So, like, when you were doing these, like, promoting clubs, right? So, like, let's say I went to View or Water Place or whatever it ended up being, and you had, you know, a celebrity there. You were buying the talent and then getting the doors or something yeah, so, like that? Or so how promoting worked out is uh, initially I would, you know, I knew by taking pictures for free and uploading these pictures, I did that for a couple months, um, not even getting paid, yeah. literally just to establish a name for our website. And then uh, I, we, we went after clubs that weren't doing that well. We asked them for the door. Yeah. Uh, we, we had to pay the talent. We had to pay a portion of the security. And okay. then we also got a percentage back of the VIP when we were. And the deal yeah, got better yeah, and better, right, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah, got yeah, better and better. Right, right. But, um, you know, to an, towards towards the tail end of that, yeah, we were getting 15, 20% of the VIP. We were also getting the door, and, and yeah. you know, we had to pay the expenses. Right. So in Rhode Island, you know, it's tough to get people to pay $10. Right. So imagine that in 2009, 2010, 2011, right after you know, the mortgage crisis and times are tough. We're now getting people to pay $30, 40 $50 to party with the Stevie Oakies of the world and party with celebrities. Right. And we're doing, you know, fifteen, twenty, twenty five, $35,000 at the door. I mean, um, at the VIPs yeah. plus the door money. It was, uh, it was a crazy chapter, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. That's dope. Like, so how did you get a bar to, to agree to let you do that? Because, like, I mean, my place does really well, so I, like, People ask me all the time, like, you know, beat it. But, like, this is somebody who's is like, hey, you're, you're struggling or I think you're struggling. Like, how do you tactfully say that and get them to do to, to buy into what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, like anything else, clubs clubs are hot for a few years, right? A lot of the club, you know, I owned a club myself, um, you know, two, three years. Like, perfect example is Shrine. I remember we were making a name for ourselves in Rhode Island. We were Vinny Vibe and myself, who, who's, who I'm – very proud of has done a tremendous job with his branding and is is now traveling the world. He was one of my original partners in 401. We approached Ryan. We said, "Hey, you know, we want to do a Tuesday night industry night." And they said, "Come back to us in six months. Come back to us in a year." Yeah. And, and to their credit, they were right. They knew they were going to be hot right off the bat. But right. you know, after a year, they need some assistance. So we presented them the idea of doing a Tuesday night industry night um, industry New Year's Eve party. And I think that was our first party, and we got like six or seven people. And what year was that? That was probably around 2009, 2010, okay. 2011. Yeah. I can't even uh, right, but that that range. But yeah. it, you know, I can even say just the amount that I've learned from Randy Greenstein, who's one of the owners of that group, and um, and, and just the interactions that I have with him certainly have helped transcend me into you know the business career that I have today. Right, and and so you know, being a Connecticut guy, Tuesdays at Shrine are a massive night. I mean, they do they do better on Tuesdays than they do Fridays. So they, and and you were like the 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 mason that laid the groundwork on that, right? Yeah, I mean, fortunately, we had a, a beautiful venue and, and a great staff and a great management team, and they had everything to make that night, help make that night successful. Right, right. But, but it was great to bring the industry crowd up from around and, and introduce them to kind of the Massachusetts market. And, yeah, and like I said, your boy Vinny over there is, is killing Like, I remember you had this, the first time I ever met Vinny was you had this Monday night spot for Bidden City on Federal Hill. And I used to love going up there on a Monday, man. It was just something cool to do. And, and Vinny was like this little kid with a fro hawk yeah, and of course. no beard. Everyone knows like his logo with the no beard yeah. and hardy shirt. You know, yeah, like yeah, it was course. it was fun, man. You know, but yeah. it's just like to see that I was like, well, I mean, I remember that kid, and like he's like, like you know, online season, he's here, he's there, he's playing. Traveling all the world huge. again, thousands and thousands of these dollars to DJ. But you know what? It didn't happen overnight, and I, I remember him making stickers and, and starting his branding and yeah. you know, learning Photoshop and putting in the hard work. Um, and here we are 15, 20 years later, and, and you know, he's really known yeah. in New England. And, and I, I can't say I'm, I'm really proud of the, the work and the time that he put in and, and the passion for his craft and, and, and his success. Who's the worst celebrity you ever worked with? Oh man, that's a tough question. I hate I hate uh, talking badly about people. All right, so even without saying uh, their name, like if it, whether it was an athlete, actor, kind of thing, and like you did, you ever have something just go bad when you were doing uh, an event? You know, some of these some of these riders. So you obviously have to deal with celebrity riders um, when you're working with celebrities, and some of them are, are crazy. And then you know, some of them. When you say rider, what do you mean? So like they'll they'll give you in the contract. There's certain things you got to provide in a dressing room for them, or okay. a certain type of hotel transportation, or a certain type of so, um, you know, to be candid, someone like, I, you know, Steve Aoki, we booked three times, I believe, in Rhode Island, yep. $5,500, $6,000. Right. We got him right at the ground level of now he's yeah. probably 100000 right. plus to, yeah. to book. But 
he was one of the best celebrities to work with. We played okay. poker in uh, my apartment. You know, we, we went to local clothing stores. He was just starting a clothing company called Dimmock. Yeah. We literally walked the streets. To you know what Dimmock is, dude? That's a death touch. For, remember, you ever see Blood, uh, Bloodsport? Yeah, you know, Van Dam comes in and they make him break the brick. Like, yeah, like pick a brick and the guy picks one at the top and then, like the old Asian guy's like, no, bottom one. And he, he just breaks. The, that's the dim mark. Oh my god, I never touch. asked him. That's that's incredible. Yeah. So I can say I, I know you asked me who the worst is. Uh, I I do definitively remember one of those riders. Yeah. Uh, the guy was just impossible I and mean, he like wouldn't start a set until that rider was fully provided. And we're talking about like minuscule things like all certain color M&Ms like I wasn't even sure if he was <laughs> like busting and then like you know it's like we're like a half an hour past set time and I'm yeah. like I guess this guy's not busting so I got three people running around to like make sure all the M&Ms are red yeah, or something like, make like, sure he has like four towels specifically like it was just it was just insane and yeah. he wasn't like similar to your situation you know it's tough hearing you talk about Tom Brady as one of my idols in here that you yeah. didn't have a good experience with him this is someone that's that's pretty still um, in the public spotlight and uh, you know, he wouldn't even take pictures with people. I mean when you're paying that kind of money um, I don't know you just you always have a vision of someone and then when it's not right. that vision that you expect it to be But you can learn from that you can always learn from that I mean, I, I I would I take pride and I was raised by a family that have always Taught me to treat people with kindness and respect and yeah. try to go the extra mile with, with people that you like and I, I think that's uh, you know, that's for anyone to learn that, you know, networking and, and growing that groundwork and, right. and, and meeting as many people as you can by being kind can help get you where you are. Yeah. Well, between working, so I did, like, out of high school, one of my first jobs was working at Fox, was I was there for five years. And then between, like, working there and just being in the casino, you know, like, because when you grow up here, man, going to the casino is just, like, so, just, like, a regular sure. thing. You know, it's part of our, our life living in Connecticut, you know. As much as it is, I'm sure, like, living in Rhyme, but, like, living five minutes from Mohegan, it's just, like, such a, a regular thing. And, you know, I've had a million different experiences with celebrities, but, like, luckily I've never had – I've met Shaq twice and Connor three or four times in all great experiences. Like, luckily my, yeah. my, my guys, like, luckily yeah. had great experiences with because they would hate to meet, like, your hero and just have them, like, shit on you. Right? Yeah, of you course. Know? And I'll tell you, before he passed away, DJM was – I mean, he was just a lovable guy. What a guy. legend, though, dude. Yeah, it what was just – What a legend. It was an honor to just even – I remember we booked him for uh, $17,500. And to us, we, you know, that was that was a risk in Rhode Island. Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, yeah, we sold it out. We sold out every VIP. We were we were charging sixty, eighty dollars to get in. Yeah. And uh, ironically, we had booked him right. What club did you have him at? We had him at Monet. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was he was a great guy. We actually hung out with him when we went back out. It was funny. I lived in LA, like I told you, yeah. uh, when I graduated college, uh, chasing that dream. And we, you know, we had met these guys and and, and whatnot and. It's, it's crazy when you hear about people and then you're just kind of partying with them on a Tuesday night in L.A. And they're just normal, just like anyone else. Right? Right. You know, like you put them at this pedestal. But then right. just, they're just a guy or a girl. Yeah. Or whatever. They're just, just and, people. Man. And to be on that level and, and, and fortunately enough, get, be able to meet a lot of these people like that um, living out there. I, I def, you know, in networking and kind of using that Rhode Island mentality of where everyone knows everyone and everyone's right, not right. afraid to talk to everybody. L.A. was tough, man. It was like people were so afraid. We we were just the Rhode Island guys that came in and just talked to everyone and were friendly and well that's dude I think that's like a, a whole New England thing like you know especially like hustlers from New England like I, I got my buddy Tony moved to Myrtle Beach and he's just killing the game down like you get a New England person who was like a, a shark and you can go to wherever and I think you can make it man just based on how we grow up out here and just like we're all mean from dealing with the seasons but like also like super happy when it's nice and and, yeah. and I think that. You know, just when you think of it, like, whether you're thinking of, like, mob stuff or, like, what you think of, like, hustling, you, you have you think of the Northeast, when you think of New York, the city that never sleeps, you know, like, Boston, Absolutely. and, like, we have so much in such a locale, you know, locale where it's not, like, if you're L.A. is, like, L.A., and then San Francisco is nine hours away. It's totally. Just, you know, there, there's so much going on, so much culture. You know, when I talk to my cousins in Ireland, I'm like, yo, if you come over, they're like, well, we want to see Boston or we want to see New York. Like, dude, we can do one one day and one the next. It's just, it's here and it's here. It's, yeah. not, it's not a big deal. You know? No, it's awesome. I love living over here. Um, man, I, I really, really loved Water Place. It was one of my favorite times when, when you were, were there. And there was a really cool crew there. I see um, Brandon is like the director of beverage at Foxwoods now. Yeah, yeah. so proud of him, man. Yeah, I've yeah. talked to him about coming on the show and he's with it. It's just not something worked out yet. But that, that's like a big big uh, job that he's got there and that's, totally that's pretty dope man yeah that was a great chapter man um brandon was one of the ones that uh, recruited me to promote there 
and uh, he had previously worked at Monet, which is another club we were yep, promoting yeah, at. I remember Monet. And, um, you know, I fell in love with the owner, uh, a guy named Steve Mara. He was a, a What a good dude. Yeah, I, I, was, I wasn't sure if I should bring that up. No, of not, course, man. man yeah. What a good dude he yeah, was. Yeah, I, mean, I have a lot of great memories. Uh, you know, Steve Mara, unfortunately, um, passed away. He, uh, he committed suicide. And uh, if he hadn't, um, I don't know if I ever would have left. I would never... I, 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 I probably... I, I can tell you I don't think I ever would have left. I mean, he treated yeah. me so well. The, 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 I learned so many lessons. I mean, he was just someone that was constantly in the public eye, smiling, um, giving back to the community, making sure that you, you know, business and philanthropy went hand in hand. I mean, he was just known as one of the most generously kind-hearted people. And we did something special there. I mean, we had a great group with Brandon, uh, promoting partner uh, yeah. Jess Simone, and a lot of the guys. Mike that Rizzo. Yeah. Um, yep. We uh, had Don Parson, Shane Pichet. Shane, yeah. Yeah, we had a great crew, and it's great to see even now, a decade later, people like Brandon be uber successful. And, and, right. and Don Parsons, uh, ironically, um, worked security for me when he first started at you know, $15, $20 an hour, and now he owns – one of the most prestigious Rhode Island-based real estate companies uh, called Anytime Realty, where, you know, my fiancé works for me. He's got 25, 30 oh, agents under him. Yeah. You know, so, and that all started from the Water Place party, and, and we brought a lot of celebrities. We, we brought a restaurant that, you know, was doing okay to eight, nine hundred to a thousand people every weekend right. for three, four years. Right. And I mean, we would come up winter, summer, whatever. We would make, you know, the trek up from Connecticut and, like I said, dude, you took such good care of us. Where so I was managing strip clubs at the time. So to me, my friends come to the strip club, like, oh yeah, yeah, don't pay a cover. But like, that was like your whole deal. And you would be like, nah, these guys aren't paying cover. You'd get us bottles for a hundred bucks or something stupid like that. Like where you were just the whole point of what you were doing, you were sacrificing for us to come up and have a good night. And you just always introduced us to everybody and made some cool connections there. So like, you know, I ran into Steve at, at Patty's one day and. Uh, uh, we party like, and it was, oh, it was with Gino. Remember Gino? Yeah, of I know course. He passed Gino's away. Passed too, yeah. But we had it was like me and one of my boys and Steve and Gino, dude, just wilding on the beach. Gino telling everyone he was Pauly D's dad, and like all these like young hot girls hanging all over Gino, thinking he was Pauly D's dad. It was the funniest fucking thing, man. Believable. But um, <laughs> one night up there at, at Water Place, some guys were giving Steve a hard time, and my boy Jimmy happened to be walking by, and kind of got in the middle of it, and then, like, after that, like, st like you introduced us to him, but Steve, like, always, all oh, the Connecticut guys always looked out for us, man, so I, I always appreciated that, because being in this business now, there's a few guys who I, who I like, try to emulate what they do, and, and you're definitely one of them, man, you're definitely, I look at how you treat people, the way you're creative, like, I have a so so my bar is seasonal and we close at the end of the season so I do a, a going back to school I do a what I call a yearbook party right where we give out a bunch of white shirts and everyone signs like like a yearbook yeah, yeah. Yeah. but I did grab that from Forbidden City where we you did a, a party similar it wasn't a yearbook party but it was just like a white t-shirt t -shirt, yeah like I remember that color, yeah. like so well that's really humbling man I really appreciate that uh, that means a lot and and uh, I appreciate that. And, and same thing I mean Steve I'm, I, I learned a lot from him. and I think, you know, you have to continue to learn and surround yourself with good people and learn every day. Yeah. And, um, no, that's that's really humbling. Um, but that was that was an amazing chapter. I miss him every day. And, um, you know, I'm glad that I did get to spend the time that I did hit with him in life and learn right. as much as I could from him. And we have a lot of great memories. Two weeks before he passed, uh, it was just me and him in Miami together on vacation. Yeah. And uh, the one thing that I can say, because I know a lot of people in this world have been through this, is – um, I didn't see it, and I still don't see it. So, I mean, just, you know, know that sometimes even the happiest people in the world are going through something, and everyone is going through something. So just, you know, always reach out there to people and, and make sure that they know, they know that you're there for them. Yeah, and, and I think right now that hits kind of hard, like, on, like get way off subject, but this Kobe Bryant thing, man. Tragic. Awful. Man. You know, and it's got to be the biggest celebrity death of, of my lifetime or my generation I can think of. You know, I, I know a lot of different big celebrities have died, but a lot of them were overdoses or they were older. And it's like, dude, this was a young guy, young youngish guy, yeah. you know what I mean? And he dies in a in a helicopter accident with his daughter. So like whether even if you're not a, a basketball fan, man, how can you not sit like I think everyone is like devastated by this Absolutely. Kobe Bryant thing. Absolutely. Um, it's been it's been kind of interesting to see unfold online people's reactions to it, but mostly very positive. It's tough. It's tough with media too, like reporting before you don't even. Know yeah, that. see that that's that's tough, but 
if I own TMZ, I also get well, that's yeah. where that's you gotta I'm break sure the they story. made huge money yeah, by course. being the ones that break that story. You know, I, I don't. I mean, to see grown. I'm not men, saying it's right. I'm just saying, no, no, like, totally. but but I I get it. I mean, grown men crying. I mean, literally, the the world is in mourning right now, just because you like you said. I mean, I remember Princess Diana passing. We were really young um, yeah. when that happened. But this is this is something that hits hits home to everyone because we all. You know, I, I posted the other day, you know, what a role model, and I'm so sorry to hear about all the families that passed. And, you know, I had one person comment, role model, question mark. I mean, this this person, I mean, I, I don't know how you can't say he wasn't a role model. Right, you know? so I kind of think I get what you're getting at, and I actually, I don't know the right answer. So 17 years ago, he was accused of a sexual assault. Mm -hmm. It never went to court. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I just don't know that when a guy dies that you necessarily have to bring up the worst thing that ever he was accused of in his life 17 years ago and never accused of. Totally agree. So it's not like it's the only thing he was known for. It's not like, like you said, the story could come out, you know, not the day of his death, not the week of his death. Right. I think that you know, if you're, do, if you're doing a biopic on him, like if you're doing a documentary life story, that has to be in there. It absolutely does. But when... When you're just he died tragically like that day, I don't think that's something you necessarily. And and I could be wrong. I'm I'm just saying that my viewpoint on it is I don't know that it's necessarily relevant. And also, I some of the um, the justification, but like I, a lot of people who I saw posting that kind of stuff were like the kind of people who are like, look at me. It's like how can I use this for yeah. like attention on, on me, which is the the toxic side of social media. But you know, social media business wise is so important. But there, there's a a very toxic side to social media. I absolutely agree. I don't think uh, you could go back for 15 years of my posts and we're friends. I don't think I've ever posted anything negative. Right. And I'll delete anything that is negative. It's just not, uh, you know, I don't, but you're absolutely right. There's a lot of people on there that are always commenting on this or commenting on that. And yeah. it's, it's very hard to see. But um, I agree with you. You know, and that actually makes me think too. So 2009, 2010, 11, whenever, whenever I was going to your clubs in Rhode Island, if I had Facebook, it was barely anything. I had MySpace, but like, how as a promoter did you spread the word? Social media definitely wasn't the primary engine of spreading the word at that point. How how did you get your brand? So I mean, I remember going to four zero spelled out one dot com to yeah. go see the pictures and stuff that you took, and I think that maybe that built a lot of loyalty that people sure. because people knew where they'd go see their pictures because people weren't posting a bunch of pictures on Facebook and yeah. they weren't posting as many pictures on MySpace, but um. What what was your your marketing technique at that point? Back then, I mean, uh, you know, learning at Bryant was learning a lot about networking and, and obviously uh, creative partnerships. So yeah. the benefit of, uh, like I said, what we did then before MySpace and Facebook were really popular is we made sure that we were going out and, and hitting up every single um, valet and we were giving them reduced admission passes. So if the passes would come back, we would then hit those valet back with $2. Right. Um, and we were, we're saying we would go to the strip clubs and, and yeah. we would make sure that we would get in the doorman when people were leaving, give yeah. them that and go back and hit them up with money. Um, we had creative partnerships I, I, at the hotels. We had them literally everywhere. But on top of that, we also were very aware of what other shows were going on in town. If we could do the after party, we yeah. were making sure that we were messaging people about their birthdays and utilizing Facebook and MySpace, not necessarily for the, the marketing aspect of things, right. but Every, we, now we know when everyone's birthday, birthday is, is right? right? So you can hit them up and give them a, a free bottle of champagne if they bring in six of their friends. Yeah. If you're targeting just women, obviously you know that women right, at right. that time yeah. uh, brought in men. Um, and and, and like, like you kind of said, um, you know, we kind of took it to a next level, which is really great to hear and very humbling. I mean, we would spend the extra money, and we, we knew that it wasn't about the short-term monetary gain. It was the long game, right? So even though we were spending a little bit more on flyers and spending a little bit more on video and spending a little bit more on um, creating – you know, a better party and, and better everything and making sure right. that people left feeling upscale, feeling good, feeling and wanted to come back. It's it's because we could, you know, we knew that if we were comping friends and whatnot, that they would support us on those $40, $50 nights when we had the big talent. Right. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's when we made our money. I, that that chapter was business 101. I learned so much. We left a lot um, on the table, but we also, you know, we, we gained a lot of relationships um, that we still have today in this life and uh, through those memories. Right. I mean, the legwork that you're talking about is so impressive and so important and why you're successful. Like now you'll see somebody post and tag 100 people and they, they're like, oh, yeah, I promoted the event, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And yep. it's, it's 
to, to, to hear that kind of legwork that went into that man and the relationships you had to build is not only impressive, but it, anyone who's out there who's thinking of doing anything in, I would say the hospitality business, but really any business, man, that, that's the kind of thing to go out and do is to, to meet the people who are meeting people, like you said, valets, bouncers, things like that, people who are going to be in the line of fire of your, of your customer. You know, yeah. I think that that's really what you'd want to get at. Absolutely. Uh, and I couldn't agree more. And I, I think um, even now in the restaurants today, um, what brings people back, right? You got to, you know, it's obviously taking care of people, making right. sure that their birthday is that much more special, their anniversary, their shower, um, whatever it may be. But it's it's great food and, and, and over the top service. So that's what I continue to stress to our staff and our right. management team. And, you know, um, leave your bad days. We all have bad days, you right. know, leave it at home. You're, you're there to Make take money. care of the people that are coming right. in and spending their hard-earned dollars on, on the time away from home. Right. Know? Hey, what's up, man? This is Sean at the Shamrock Show. Sorry for the little break in the action, but uh, we got to keep the lights on. We got to shout out my boy, Scott Camasar from the law offices of Scott uh, Camasar and Stephen Reck. Personal injury lawyers, if you ever get hurt, you need a qualified attorney. You got to know what your rights are, what your options are. These guys are personable. They'll take care of you. They care about the outcome, and they'll make sure that you're taken care of for your losses, whether it's a motor motor vehicle, wrongful death, injury, slip and fall. Um, I you know they even got somebody who was uh, scammed when buying a dog through a through a breeder who took advantage of them. So, whatever you got going on, just make sure that you have a qualified and competent attorney. Scott Camasar and Stephen Reck will make sure that you get taken care of. Thanks. Um, so you said you you, did, you worked as a promoter, you know, for yourself, but promoting eight or nine years, and then you had an investor come to you about opening a spot. Was Vanity your first spot? It was. Um, so I had met um, my investing partner and, and current business partner, uh, Jeff Quinlan, when I was caddying at my first job at 13 years old. Okay. Um, at a country club, and we had played hockey against each other. And we kept in touch throughout college, and he ended up starting coming to the co some of the club events and uh, really kind of liked what we were doing and said, uh, if you ever want to open up your own place, let me know. Um, I said, oh, I appreciate it. That's humbling. And he wasn't the only one. There were other people saying it, but yeah. a lot of people would say it behind deaf checkbooks. Right, you know, right. They would yeah, just yeah, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll open up a place with you. Right, right. Um, and to be candid, uh, if Steve didn't pass away, because like, Jeff had approached me prior to Steve passing away, and then um, when he did, you know, I kind of circled back and I, after, uh, you know, I was kind of upset and, you know, I just knew everything wasn't going to be the same there. Obviously, without him there, he was the magical touch. Yeah. Um, I said, hey, I don't know if you were serious, but, you know, if you are serious, let's do this. And within a week, he, uh, you know, we, we had business plans going and, and he wrote a check for a, a rather large amount of money. And he was he was a young kid hustling and, and you know, he was uh, he just had graduated um, law school himself and, and he was flipping real estate property and yeah. you know it was a lot of money to invest in I mean we knew each other we were friends we right. grew up together but I mean when you have invested over six figures into someone else right um, it, w it it was kind of almost gut checking for me because like as, as right. successful as like, we I don't I don't want to lose this yeah of course yeah. you know and that grind and uh, you know that work ethic I feel like I've always had since an early age um, you know just from hard-working parents that that grew up not wealthy themselves right um, never wanting to let them down for everything that they sacrificed for me. Um, I, I think I've carried that over into our business relationship. And, and fortunately enough, Vanity uh, was, was very successful, and, and I, I got to pay pay him back in under a year. And then uh, Oh, we, wow. Yeah, so that was cool. I mean, nightclub business. But now here's the thing that happened then which, in nightclubs. So we had that for about two years, and it was you know, it was popping. We knew the club length. We, I know the life length of a club is three, four years, like yeah. I said to you. Sometimes if you're spending – 12 million plus dollars like trying you know, around a little bit longer right, right but at least in that market i knew that you know or you'd have to rebrand after that right two years in uh, they eliminated bottle service in the state of Rhode Island. right which is crazy so you go from doing 10 to 15 to twenty thousand dollars a night in vip yeah to nothing right so you obviously have to rebrand and redevelop uh your entire business model what have the nightclubs done to offset that or have they or they just kind of do make do with what is there like any kind of like backdoor thing to that or is there like I certainly know that there are some clubs that are illegally still uh, okay. doing bottle service on occasion yeah um, because I think that the regulation of it can be when, when it when they first made it illegal I mean there, there were people coming in every other weekend make, checking to see if you were doing it finding us and then if you did do it more than twice or three times you literally could lose your license yeah now it's kind of became like a backdoor like no one no one 
the liquor board, from my knowledge, is at least not really regulating. It's not priority for them right now. Yeah. But that being said, if everyone started doing it again, yeah, yeah. they would regulate it again. Right, right. Um, so, you know, it, that was that was tough. We, we uh, you know, at that point we had opened another restaurant and, uh, you know, the Darcy Bieber in Cranston, and that was going really well. But we, we realized that we had to begin the, the, the – stages of rebranding that uh, earlier than we had anticipated right which is now milk money milk money yeah awesome spot thanks man yeah, yeah it's a blessing we got a we got a great crew great executive chef great yeah. management team and a great cocktail program brunches brunches going excellent and uh we're really blessed that uh we're almost three and a half years into that and it's it's and how many how long did you have vanity for we had vanity for about three and a half years. So too. you're still seven years at the one location. On yeah, the two names. Yeah. that's you know yeah, that's first, deadly, man. I mean, our first lease. How many, is how many restaurants close after after one year? Is it like fifty percent or something like that? It's yeah, like, it's it's the first few years definitely tough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's going really good and uh, really blessed to have. I mean, it, it's just crazy to kind of even look at that. You know how how Jeff and I started and we had our first location and mm-hmm. and now with the five we have uh, over a hundred employees and. And um, you know it's 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 kind of crazy because it, it, I feel like it happened like almost overnight, you right. know, and, and and it's been seven years, right? And and an overnight success, twenty years in the making. Yeah, right? yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, what have you seen in that time? You know, other than the bottle service, like, what does the customer expect, or what does the customer expect differently? Like, so for me, what I've seen in in, in the business here is people expecting they want bottle service everywhere. They think every bar should just have bottle service and they're looking for higher under entertainment and stuff what are you seeing that in the customers wants and needs that have changed over the the from 2009 until 2020 that that you've had to adapt to so i mean particularly with that law um because of that law and i'm not sure if it's just in the rhode island market when i go out if i want to really go out i'll go out to boston or i'll go to connecticut because they still offer that vip experience right um but in rhode island it, it almost seems like the 18 to 27 to the 30 year old demographic they they they're completely content with karaoke bars and cheap drinks and 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 and, uh you know acoustic music or whatever it may be so that was kind of one of the reasons we evolved from when bottle service became illegal to that hometown pub and grub brand um and and obviously it's been very very successful for us but um yeah nightclub in providence uh i can tell you uh unfortunately is 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 not what it used to be and i would love to see it make a revival yeah well it seems like because I've gone out, out on in Rhode Island on a Friday or Saturday a few times. It's just not the same as it was. And, you know, I'm almost 40, and to me, a nightclub isn't, like, such a – but, like, once in a while to go out. But it's, like, sure. everywhere is just not – like, like me and Sam are walking around, like, damn, like, you, you know, telling our friends who are, hadn't been there, like, you should have seen this place, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It it's was almost, like a mecca, man. It's almost tough to believe. And there's still some – there's some great brands now in Providence now that are still doing – Doing it pretty well. The first uh, club I ever went to in my life was in Providence. I was 16, and they had an all-ages night. It was called Confetti. Do you know yeah, Confetti? Yeah, of course. It Joe was, Aloisio is it, the owner of Confetti, right? I, I, I don't know, man. I, I didn't know anybody. I yes. was in Connecticut, but like, I had a buddy who lived in Westerly, and, he's like, and he was like a couple years older than me, and he had a car, and he's like, hey, we're going to go to this club. And my mother was like, are you going to get shot in Providence? Yeah. You know, like, terrified. Was it then Pearl? Is that, is no, that? it was Confetti. It oh, was, it was, well, well, was it, but that's what it evolved to Pearl? Pearl, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we promoted that Pearl. Pearl, yeah, yeah right, yeah. right. Yeah. Which was a huge difference from Confetti to Is Pearl still there? So now Pearl is Mezzo. Okay. Um, and, uh, Pearl was dope when that first opened, though, like all the crystals and stuff. That yeah. was like one of the coolest looking venues I've ever been Joe to. Has, uh, has a great ability to... Uh, to readapt and re and, and change it and and he's he's kind of rebranded that uh, location many many times and and right. found success. So. Yeah, it's funny. Like I look back, so that's where I first met your buddy Justin Erickson. He was a bartender yeah, yeah. there, yeah. and uh, you know he's always been a cool guy to you know you know to me. Um, and then I remember seeing DJ Dirty Deck play there. You had him there one night, and now he's like a, a huge, uh, yeah, I mean, huge, like killing it with BNEG. And he does artwork for them. Oh, uh, his art is insane, man. I bought one of, I, I still have was uh, one of his first unique pieces that he did for me. Um, you know, never give it away. But uh, yeah, I'm so proud of him too. Yeah. Uh, just to see him as a Cranston cat that, uh, you know, was literally DJing one of the first places that I went to as a as a drinking customer at 18, the grind to see where he is today, traveling to Miami, traveling to Boston, right. and doing artwork everywhere. It, you know, and that's that's another thing. It's, it's funny. Um, you know, Will Blackman said to me, uh, played professional football for over a decade. He's one of the only Rhode Island guys um, 
that played football. And I just went up to him at a party when I was 21 years old and, and I said, hey, I want to meet you, you yeah. know. And uh, we kind of just kept in touch over the years and, and he's, he's became a, a pretty good friend. Yeah. But he said to me, you know, a lot of people hated on you when you were doing your thing. And, and he's well, like, I'm not surprised. I, he said, I never, I never hated on you. I saw some, you know, I saw you right. getting to know people and just talking and just being a genuine person. And I think that's kind of, you know, not a lesson to be learned, but it's like just no one, everyone doesn't always have an angle, right? right, right. If you just want to meet people and you want to connect people, yeah, and you yeah, don't yeah. have to make a monetary gain just for always connecting people. Right, right. Eventually it always comes back without even thinking about that, right. you know? And that was a really uh, nice thing for him to say. And, and no, that's uh, dope. And I remember there was, it wasn't just you, there was a bunch of promoters in Providence at that time, like all trying to do what you did, but I, you know, and some of, you know, like Kelsey Mitchell is a homie, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. Like, she was awesome. She worked with us for a while. But, you know, you saw a lot of people trying to do it, but it was like, oh, well, you know, there's Coke and then there's a bunch of RC Colas, you know? And yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you, you were really killing it. No, I appreciate it. And, and even, you know, some of the other promoters even today, you know, the ones that work really hard and, and like After Dark Promotions, Paul Carbone yeah. uh, owns a brand called uh, Innovation Fitness, which I, I continually support. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it, it's funny to see even the bartenders and the people from back then, you know, I'll try to go out of my way to support them from a decade ago because, you know, we kind of all grew up together. We all had a lot of fun together. We all learned together. We all mourned together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tight-knit community that even though, you know, I might evolve into uh, restaurants and politics and, right. and whatever it may be, I still am, am, am honored and, and, and very pleased to get their support also. Do you see any young Brady's, Ed Brady's out there? Are there people out there doing the promotion thing for clubs these days or no? You know, that's, that's such a great question. Um, you know, I, I, I think we just spoke on the, the part of, you know, where I would be, wouldn't be afraid to go up to anybody and, and, and talk to anybody. Um, you know, we've grown to over 100 employees, like I said, and I've only had two people ever ask me to sit down and have coffee or learn my story. Or, yeah. And I don't know if that's fair or I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, but those two people and, yeah. and, and speaking, you know, little things go a long way. I mean, you know, I, I help now them grow, you know, yeah. and someone that just asked me how to, you know, can I have a minute of your time and just how do I improve to get to that next level? Yeah. Even something as simple as that um, goes a long way with me. So do I see a next, um, you know, I try to find, people that I can surround myself with every day and grow yeah. them in my management team uh, and grow them together with me. But uh, it's tough, man. I I, uh, I don't know. Like uh, my mom, um, when I was first starting caddying, 13, 14 years old, got diagnosed with breast cancer. And, um, you know, I don't know if that was just like a changing point for me because I was a class clown, yeah. funny kid, doing everything. I'm not saying that stopped it, but like that was like a, like a gut check of reality of like, all right, I gotta work hard. I gotta support for my, my my family because my father had already retired on disability, so she was the only one working in my family. So I took that first job. You know, I was taking my paycheck home, and I was you know I was trying to help out wherever I could. Unfortunately enough, she's good today. But that's it was like I haven't stopped working since that day. A 70, 80 hour work week is right. like that's like the norm. Regular, right? You right. know, and it's so to hear kids say like, oh, I already you know I already worked thirty five. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, like yeah. that's cool. You know, yeah. and I say, if that's the life you want, but it's like I've always. You know, it was funny when I first started, it was like, it was about making the money and, and you know, um, you know, working those hours to make the money. But it's as, as I started to get the money, it was it was less about making the money yeah. and more about making the difference. More about, you know, like like you said, making a difference in people that whether they work for me or special occasions or and that's that's the purpose for me. Yeah. You know, giving back to the community and, and making sure that, you know, we can feed as many people we can with these homeless dinners that we do or, yeah. or uh, you know, just raise millions and millions of dollars for local nonprofits. That's what feels good, and that's what I think ultimately turns into a, a good life. I've seen a lot of people make a lot of money that have been miserable. Right, right. Um, so it's, it's about finding that balance and surrounding yourself with good people and finding love. And, and I'm not even really sure how we got on this topic, but uh, it was a great question if you got me there with that answer. Yeah, so. <laughs> man. Well, no, but this is what I'm, I'm interested in hearing, man, and I think that's what people would be interested to hear is, is just kind of that kind of mindset and that kind of thought process, you know, like – I have I have waitresses that work for me where you know they'll come in and if it's slow and then it's busy and then it's slow again they want to get cut and I have waitresses who come in and it's slow and then it's busy and then they clean and they well oh, you know like can I draw something on the chalkboard can you teach me how to bar th like and they, who are you gonna give that next money shift right right, right man so. you know and even like dude I think I've said this on this podcast but like the smallest thing is like people who who hustle you know via like. So it's like, you know, I'll grab a, a dishwasher who is like the most 
entry level basic position in a, in a, in a restaurant. You know, you, you could be somebody who's a, a high school dropout or, or whatever. And, you know, if they come in and I don't have to ask them, the garbage is out, man, their area is clean. They're, they're, you know, the, the, there's always silverware for the waitresses and they're not yelling at me. Like, you got no fucking silverware. You know, like if you do that job, great. And then I'll get you to be a fry cook and boom, I'll throw you another dollar an hour. Oh, you're, you're hustling, you're killing it on fries. Cool. And let me teach you the grill and I can get you another dollar. Like, and, you know, if you do that, all of a sudden you go from making minimum wage and you make 15, 16 dollars an hour and you know, if you have no education and like you're just looking, if you were looking for a dishwasher job and within a year I can get you to the next level, then you know what? Go apply at a chain restaurant and you know, maybe before you know it, you'll be making forty, fifty thousand a year as a, a restaurant manager at a Ruby Tuesdays or whatever. And it's just if if you can go out and get it, you know, it, it's there to be had, man. It's, you're, it's, you're it's there right. to be had. And, and there's so many people um, within our organization that started as bussers that are now you know bar managers or. Or, or our general manager even you can't right. you can't train you can't train hard work and then nothing beats hard work and 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 people that are genuine and true um, right. you know education is, is is great and I I certainly am fortunate enough that you know my parents worked hard to allow me to get a college education and help me out by going to Bryant but um you know that work ethic you know I I've had interviews where it's been like okay 4.0 GPA great college and a kid that just you could just tell genuinely wants it and I right. went in that direction and I've, I've never been more pleased going in that right, direction. Right. You might have to put a little bit more effort and love into that person right. and train them what they don't know. But you can't treat, you know, you can't loyalty and hard work. I mean, those are some of the best things you want out of someone in the restaurant industry or in life. Right, right. no, for sure. So we talked about vanity, which became milk money, right? Which is dope. But you've actually started a brand. You have a chain. Is, would you call it a chain? Or what would you, I don't know what you uh, would call it. Yeah. You have, you have three locations of a place called the Thirsty Beaver, which, what a name. Thanks, man. What, yeah. a, what a name. You always want to make something that's brandable, right? And uh, we've been very fortunate with that brand. Um, that was the idea of uh, Jeff Quinlan, my partner, the, the name. And it was kind of cool just sitting down at the table with him and coming up with our first logo and, and making it cartoony and something that, a bar that just, a log cabin, family friendly, anybody would want to go. And even right. though the name might be kind of scary at first yeah. to some, um, the elephant in the room but uh you yeah. know it's great seeing a two-year-old in there in a high chair yeah. um all the way from a senior citizen just kind of anybody and everybody every seven days a week right so you've got one in, in, in cranston which was the original one yep where we grew up with justin's one of our business partners there yeah uh who we spoke about earlier who's you know obviously bartending all the, at the clubs we did yeah talk about loyalty and working hard right, right. you know we, we knew that we wanted him to run up our program and, yeah. and he's kind of grown with us to be a partner with it that uh, we also have one in Smithfield, which is the town Brian, I went to college Brian at. College, yeah. Um, but great the, market. And the most recent one is in uh, Rentham Foxborough line. Yeah, it's yeah. right attached to Supercharge Entertainment, which has an indoor go karting yeah. track, Ninja Warrior course. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. R right by the stadium, right? Yeah, very blessed. I mean, yeah, that's a great that's opportunity, and we were actually invited uh, by the owner of Supercharge to um, be in that project. Oh, really? Yeah. It's so, how did they find out about you? Uh, just kind of, you know, same thing, networking. He's a local round guy, Alpine Country Club guy. And uh, the family had always been there. And Jeff and myself over the years just networking and, and doing our thing. They needed a strong restaurant operator. And uh, they knew they were going to be doing high volumes with the go-karting. And they are doing some really high volumes. They're on two, three-hour waits on Saturday nights. Yeah. The Ninja Warrior course, Trampoline Park upstairs is really, really fun. Um, and, and, you know, we think we're doing a pretty good job of complementing their brand and $12, $15 million project, that project, yeah. certainly the highest, uh, the biggest project to date uh, for yeah. us to partner right. up with. Um, and we're exciting where that, you know, the brand can go from here. Um, and then you have Huck's Filling Station? Yeah, that's so that's also. I haven't been there yet. So that's in uh, that's right in the East Greenwich Warwick line, yeah. right off Main Street. Um, ironically, Steve Mars uh, headquarters is two buildings down, so okay. it's certainly uh, homage to him. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, we took an old garage. Uh, it was an idea that we had, um, and kind of converted it into a like a, a fun. We we recruited a chef from Ocean House, which is one of the yep, most yep. iconic places in Rhode Island, and, and that's it's going really good. Our, our partner Jared Malay there runs it he's also a childhood friend that i moved out to hollywood with okay um and yeah so that's that's the five that we got going right now we also have a, a catering operation called pink pig which i'm not really counting because it's not an actual physical space. okay so that's not so but that's where you had the donut shop right is it operate out of that so, so the donut shop uh we, we've tried two two brands at that we did four corners yeah and we did pink pig and then we did daisy joe's chicken yeah so that was one of our failures so all of our other brands are uh 
are, are going pretty well. But you know, that's that's kind of some great advice I like to talk about too. Everything's as an entrepreneur, everything's not gonna right, not a win. Go right, yeah. Right. There's, there's losses, and you got to learn quick and adapt and improve. And um, and and that was definitely a loss, but we learned from it. And now and with having three spots at that place that didn't that didn't work do you think the location is is key in that or what do you what as someone who's obviously a, a hitter what, what was the the strike there yeah market research is important so one thing that we learned from there is traffic doesn't necessarily mean business the, the, there's a lot of cars going by that that uh, area on a particular day yeah. but it's very hard to get in um, because the traffic for the most part is is going the other way is okay. going back is going south um, towards the airport so uh, you know people were just they didn't want to wait particular long length of time to so get into to make, that to location. To make the turn into the spot. And, you know, we've had locations at, you know, the Thirsty Beaver Cranston was a tough location prior to us being the Thirsty Beaver Cranston. Yeah. Um, and, and some of the other locations that we take, we're kind not naive, but we believe that we can, just like I, when I was a promoter, rebrand a concept, bring a strong brand there, right, right. and maybe overcome the obstacles that, in that particular location, uh, we just couldn't, um, you know. I've got a project like that myself. I'll tell you a dinner later today. But yeah, you know, sometimes you just got to believe that you can do it. Yeah, know, of right? course. Because if you don't believe you can do it, then absolutely. Right? Why is anybody else going to believe in you? Yeah, right? I mean, and, and an important part is is uh, you know, like I said, entrepreneurs are going to fail. Yeah, you know, it's it's going to happen. We're, we're the, you know, you just got to make sure you learn as much as you can from it. And well, from go. from 2005 to 2007, I owned a bar, and I'd never even worked in a bar before, and the situation came up where me and my buddy, we got it for free because the guy who owned it died, and his son was just like, just pay rent, and you know, it was good to go. And we were really good. We had been known in the area for throwing hotel parties. We, throw, we would throw ragers. We were banned from every hotel in the area, yeah. but we would, we would pack the party so I was like oh dude I can pack this place but I didn't know about business you know yeah. so to me like that was like a, co a little college to me where it was like you know the bar made $3,000 and I said oh I made $3,000 and then the cooler broke and I can't even fix it you yeah, know what yeah, I mean but that's uh just to me my failure in that place is like one of the most important things that's ever happened to me man yeah you absolutely know? But without question and one of the biggest things I can contribute to our success is surrounding myself with people that are good at things that I'm not or good at specific areas of right, business yeah, that no. I'm not. You know, yes. and, and um, you know, like like you, like I was really good at, with, you know, and I, I like to believe that I'm still really good with people yeah. and being the face of a business, but, you know, my partners behind the scene are great at beverage costs and making sure labor costs are hit and, you know, making sure your payroll you right. know, numbers are intact. And, and I think that's, you know, I, I think what's, you know, obviously 100% of zero is zero, right? Right. You know, 30%, uh, 40%, 50% of, of a, a large market. Don't be afraid to, you know, surround yourself with people. That's advice I'd give to those going into business and with, with people that know what they're doing that you're not necessarily strength of your Right, because you'll talk about someone, they don't know what they don't know. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, course. if you know what you don't know, but you can but you can recognize talent in people who can fill those gaps, that's like that's like being a general, man. That's like Absolutely. what's being, that's, that's what's super key. And I see a lot of people not willing to take critique or objectively look at themselves. I, I will look at myself objectively on a daily basis and understand okay I could do I could have handled that better I could do this better yeah. and I think that's that's crucially important in any entrepreneur's success is always always be evolving and always be learning and always be um, you know you got to go with your gut obviously yeah. but uh, you know can can never stop learning and now you're a politician yeah, yeah. so in in life politics or something promoted a politician that, that, hey. <laughs> Oh, it's all the same. It's people, right? You're yeah, dealing with absolutely. people and getting people to like you. But yeah. when it comes to politics, I'm kind of ignorant. Like, I, I pay attention to issues, but as far as, like, I can't tell you what a selectman versus a mayor, like, I, I have no idea. So you're a counselor, and I have no idea what that yeah, means. Yeah, so in the city of Cranston, um, there's there's nine city councilmen. There's, uh, there's three citywide um, counselors, and then there's... Uh, six wards. Um, we kind of obviously go over the budget and, and go over, uh, you know, safety services and ordinance and finance and, and public works and, and different areas of the city. We help balance the budget with the mayor and we work hand in hand. Yeah. Um, right now we have a five to four Republican to Democratic majority on our council. Yeah. Um, and you're what? Well, that's the funny thing. So I grew up in a very Democratic household. Yeah. Prior to being a councilman, I was an independent yeah. and um, it was a Republican seat. The, the mayor had asked me to fill. And I you know I was honest with him. I looked him in the eye and said, "To be honest with you, I'm a business person. Um, you know, I lean a little bit fiscally Republican, um, yeah. but uh, you know, I also have a lot of policies in life the way I grew up to be Democratic. 
and he and he said you know what Ed I know who you are I know the man that you are in the community yeah. it, you know even you know I would ask you to be a Republican for this particular seat but I know that that doesn't matter and you don't see that a lot in politics it's like so many people are Republican right. Democrat and you know I hope that that changes as it goes forward because I feel like younger people in our generation and younger don't like I couldn't possibly identify because there's some you know issues that are Republican that like are like right and I'm like yo I'm right there with them. There's some that are left and I'm like yo I'm like yeah, I yeah. could never possibly identify with a party because like on on certain issues that are are key to those parties like I either agree or dis- disagree with you know what yeah. I mean so you know I, I think that um, hopefully that open that that thought process opens up more. I'll tell you I mean it's not we're not dealing with you know nationwide issues and, and, and even statewide issues to that extent. We're, we're dealing with the city and yeah. what's best for the kids and what's best for the community. Yeah. And what I can say is I heard a lot of horror stories about politics and, you know, Democrats and Republicans just not being able to get on the same page and get a lot done locally. I, we were very fortunate. Uh, we got a lot of we got a great council. We get a great group of people. A lot of the votes are going 9-0. We're, we're all on the same page, whether it's Democrat or Republican, even though we have the majority, uh, just to make a difference for our local community. So um, I stand... You know, I'm going to continue to. I'm going to run for re-election yeah. um, as long as I can continue to balance it. Um, and, and right. So, how, how much of your time does does that take? It's funny. Um, you know, like I said, I'm I'm definitely still putting in the the 70, 80 hours a week in the business. Uh, yeah. And and I'm I'm putting in 20 plus hours a week in the politics. So I mean, it's constant. The schedule Do is. Do people use that against you in running? The reason I ask. So. The local of this town, first selectman, this guy Mark, he plays in a band that I have at my bar. But he also owns a bunch of uh, Geico offices. Mm-hmm. In the last election, I saw his opponent was like, how can this guy possibly be good for the city when he's got these businesses to run? I, I think when I first started, uh, you know, there were certainly people that were saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think now now I think they're it. saying a little differently because they're seeing, you know, the work that I'm putting in and, and – and, time of day is not, you know, my phone's always on and I'm receptive and I get back to people. And I think the knowledge that I've gained in business uh, and I'm using in politics. Um, and and I'd like to believe um, that I'm going to get reelected and that yeah. I'm, I'm pretty well liked in that area. You just never know. Politics is scary. I was sitting at the polls at, you know, 8, 10, you know, when the polls close at 8, eight o'clock, not sure if I'm going to win. And it's, it's right. a really humbling place to put yourself um, in. And fortunately, you know, I, I, I won. And uh, we'll see where it goes. But uh, as long as I... You know, you, you put the bull crap aside with the politics and you continue to do what's right for the people. And you and as long as I can continue to believe that I'm making a difference in the community, I'm going to continue to put myself out there and do it. That's dope, man. So, like, what are the key issues that are important to you right now that you that you deal with? Like, not necessarily stuff that's, like, out of your hands, but stuff that you actually, whether it's something you can physically do something about or at least are in the conversation yeah, with. Yeah. What are the key issues? I mean, issues? fiscal responsibility is, is, is huge. Of, of I mean, the city? Yeah, I mean, okay. you're dealing with a budget of, you know, 296, 200, 300 million dollars. I mean, education is obviously is is always on the forefront of my mind. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of schools in our in our area, at least, that need to be updated. Um, so there's a bond that's going to be going to vote. So um, I'm interested uh, for over 100 million dollars, but we might be able to get 70 percent of that back from on the state level. So we'd yeah. really only be investing 30 million if we can efficiently um, prove that we can do that in a timeline with five or years with construction and do it right. Then it would be um, a fiscally sound project potentially for the city Um, but you know solar farms have been a big issue in our area because green energy is obviously crucially important but we also have to protect the character of our community and and residents home values that are for nearby values they were building 30 plus acre farms and um, basically no one had a right or a say uh, based on how it was zoned for their neighbors so we just eliminated solar farms in A80 which is residential areas in in Cranston Um, honestly and it's just being receptive to the phone calls of people that didn't feel like the city's against them. And, and, and I had a guy at one of our last meetings kind of who was a was strong Democrat, looked me in the eye uh, with tears in his eye and, and say, uh, you've changed my view of politics. You know, I felt like no one was listening to me and, that's you know, dope. you've been wicked receptive. And that's, you know, it's the time that it takes away from my fiance and my family yeah. and, and my business even because um, it's not a high paying job, at least on right. the council level. It's, yeah. We make, uh, you know, five, six thousand dollars. People think we make a lot more in benefits and all that yeah. uh, to be putting the time in that we do. But honestly, I just genuinely do it because I care about the city of Cranston. I love Cranston. I'll be there the rest of my life. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. It's my hometown. I'm proud. Um, 
you know, my parents, like I said, worked really hard to get me there, and I'm, and I'm never going to leave. So, What's your goals in, in politics, man? Like, is there a, a, an Ed Brady presidential run in, in, in yeah, 20 years? Or, I, I don't like, know, man. You know, you I know, mean, is, is that like something that would like in your wildest dreams be in there or you're just like nah it's not like you like, know it's i never you just never know where life's gonna take you i, I never thought i'd be in politics to begin with yeah, right yeah. so um you know like like i said being a promoter to a business owner to an entrepreneur i was fortunate enough the mayor asked me to fill a seat that became open who knows where it's gonna take me um you know i i'd like to believe as long as i continue to follow my heart and i enjoy it so here's the big x factor i'm, I'm getting married in june nice. to a beautiful beautiful fiance I, I don't have kids i've been able to manage all this prior to having kids right, um, right. and i do want kids so uh, you know I, I just uh have to make sure i continue to surround myself with great people that can uh you know because business is obviously priority right. C- city i have to be able to manage with it at the same time and family uh, uh, as it's growing it's going to get tough so and, and i'll say this for you even though i know you're already thinking it what a gem your fiance must be to put up with the amount of time that you have to dedicate. So I've got one bar that's seasonal and then another project in the works, and, and, and my girlfriend has to make serious sacrifice for the amount of time. So with what you've got going on, clearly um, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. She, you know what? Uh, we, met, we met at the bar. We met at the Beaver. And, um, you know, she, uh, she became – Honestly, a very good friend. I was. She was giving me advice on on girls, and I was giving her advice on guys. And we were just kind of kicking it for like two years. Yeah. And uh, you know, so she knew the amount of work and time that I put into it. So to meet someone on a friend level like that and keep all that other crap, I was always attracted to her. I yeah. mean, there's there's no way I couldn't be. But right, for sure. You know. Um, good for you. Yeah, and then I mean, here we are today. So I I'm. Uh, it's a lot of hours and it's a lot of time. Uh, but you know, she believes in me. And it's important to surround yourself with that, obviously, with loyal, caring people that believe in you. Right. And, uh, sh- you know, I, I hope she'll always be in my corner, but she's certainly in it now. So. That's dope, man. Um, before we get out of here, I just want to touch on a couple of things. Like, so you lived in L.A. and you did some acting, and then some of that's come back. Like, you, you were involved in The Brotherhood, which I, a show I love that just didn't hit, but a show in, in Providence. You did, you did a little acting, right? Yeah, I did a little acting. Acting was fun. It's funny that you bring up uh, Brotherhood because um, I was like – so I was in, um, you know, I was in like small things like Mad TV with like a John Cena sketch and 27 dresses. And, yeah. you know, I was like an extra in Entourage. And we were doing like a whole bunch of fun stuff back then. I didn't know you were an extra in Entourage. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'll have to show you that clip. Yeah. But, um, you know, Brotherhood. Um, so that's the furthest I had ever made it. It was for a reoccurring role. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had already auditioned and sent in my videotape. And I had done everything, and I had I had uh, literally two lines, and it was, "Hey, you want to lower your voice? The mooks from Connecticut gonna hear you." And then I slide. <laughs> yeah, I remember you telling right? us that at one point. Yeah, so yeah. then I slide over the money. I say, hey, "It's what Johnny told me to give you. If you got a problem, you talk to him." Right. So yeah. and so now I'm with the cast. I'm I'm in the screen test. I'm yeah. with the actual actors, and those are my two lines. I can remember them to this day, right? Yeah. So then I say the line. I say, "Hey, you want to lower your voice? The fucking and I drop the f bomb." And yeah. I, I'm not even much of a swearer, yeah. but I just thought it was impactful to the line. I was reading it a different way, and the director goes, "Good, good, but can you just read the line as?" is yeah. i'm like all right all right uh you want to lower your voice the mooks from connecticut gonna hear you it's what johnny told me to give you you got a fucking problem so now i dropped the <laughs> f-bomb it's like all right cut so then i lost that scene so i'm like i still regret it to this day like, yeah, like, yeah. Just, i just i loved that show i own the dvds man yeah like, I really it was cool that man show. it was cool that, that's dope man but um on my desk here, you know, like this kid Mike was on my show yeah, yeah. you know shout out to my boy robbie my sponsors proper 12 I need a. Oh, crap. 27, 27 dresses. dresses. This kid, man. It's hilarious. I bought this just for oh, today, man. man. I would if, be you could, honored. if you could sign my 27 dresses, it's going gonna to go right here on the, on the yeah, desk, right? Yeah, it's going to stay on desk the desk of fame. Bro. First autograph. How are you? You like that? Man? I love it. I love right. it. Yeah, my man. How does he do it? <laughs> so, yo, I got to shout it again. Proper 12, the law offices of Stephen M. Reck and Scott Camisar. And then also coming to the podcast, they're not my sponsor yet, but they're going to Beard Octane. It's a dope beard oil. I'm, I'm trying to get on my beard level, man. And they got butters, all kinds of stuff. So check out Beard Octane. I'll have more information on the next show for them. Um, I just bought some stuff from them. It's locally uh, owned and, and operated. It's a dope company. Uh, I'll get some over to you for this little beer yeah, too, but for sure. But I got to shout out my sponsors because without them, I couldn't keep doing this show, man. Shout out to Suave behind the camera. My man. But, Ed, I appreciate you making the trip down from Rhode Island, man. This means the world to me. I, I really, really uh, had a great time. I hope people dig your story. I know they will. Yeah, man, same to me, and, and, I, and I appreciate you having me, and I appreciate you all watching. So.
What's up, Thanks, man? buddy. For sure, buddy. Check One last to finish, cheers. right? Yeah, yeah. man. Cheers. Cheers. Shamrock. <sighs>